listening to The Cannabis Agenda, your weekly source for cannabis-related news and informed discussion. We podcast for an hour every Monday covering topics related to cannabis legalization, medical marijuana, and market-related information. You can follow online with us at CannabisAgenda.com. And now, your hosts, Jamie Cass and Pot Green. Coming to you live from podcast headquarters. It's the podcast with Jamie Cass and Pot Green. And it's now smoky. let's get into the show. Smoky in the headquarters. Even it is. I can't even see you, man. I know. You remember? You remember those days as kids when we were stupid and we'd like ride around in cars and you're in the you same were, car you, and you can't see anybody else in the car. And you're driving around. That's so <laughs> so. Priceless. So, like, such bad decision-making, really. It is priceless, but man, dude, who knows? We were, we were pushing the limit a little bit, I guess. <laughs> I think, though, I think the, the thing, I think the fault there is, as kids, like, we kind of felt like the car was the only safe place for us to smoke pot. Yeah, it kind of is. It's kind of a little sanctuary when you're an adolescent, you know? I mean, yeah. it's the only way you can go where nobody's going to bug you. And if they do bug you, just turn the key and take off and go sit somebody else, you know, sit somewhere else till they... They get irritated in that area. <laughs> yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, it was, it, was, yeah. it was definitely weird. Those are definitely some weird days. Right. Wait, well, hey, welcome. Yeah. Welcome to our show. I guess we could do a, a brief intro here. Of course, you are on the podcast. I'm Jamie Cass. I'm Pat Green, Pot Green, whatever. <laughs> yeah. well, and our engineer, Matt Coglin is here as Yay. well. Hanging fucking out things up, hanging, th- hanging out, trying to figure out how to engineer a radio show, just like we're trying to figure yeah. out how to run one efficiently, you know. So here we go. Uh, what's in? What's in today? What's 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 on yeah, hey, today? This just in. Yep. <laughs> this just in. Just, yes, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> this just in, uh, we've been talking a little bit about, uh, well, quite a bit, of actually, um, for good reason, about Colorado as of late. Um, they've been having some, uh, well, I don't know, I guess it could be remotely uh, expected turbulence with their their uh, dispensary laws and what's going on in their state. Um, I just uh, got a wire on um, the 5th that said that DEA medical raids in Colorado, after uh, some DEA medical raids in Colorado, U.S. Representative Jared Paulus uh, from District 2 in Colorado made a statement online calling for the DEA to, and I quote, stop their rogue agents from harassing and raiding our medical marijuana dispensaries, end quote. Representative Paulus also sent a formal letter to U.S. Attorney General Eric Holder asking about a DEA agent's comments that the DEA will, and I quote him, arrest everybody. Wow. Wow, dude. Crazy. Rogue. Remember we were suspecting it was rogue action. Rogue. Going rogue. So it appears. Uh, Representative Paulus asked whether this is in fact U.S. policy. (laughs) <laughs> is it or is it not? Apparently, it's not, right? I mean, if he's who did he ask? Did he ask Eric Holder? Is that who he, who he yes, asked in the letter? As everyone's probably probably uh, aware of at this point, um, U.S. Attorney Eric Holder was the one uh, Attorney General Eric Holder rather was the one that got on on national TV and stated that their policy would be to not attack people that have uh, laws in their states. Protect them. So, 
Well, I think that's and, well. And the other, the, the the fine print there is also, I believe, he said that if they appear to be, if they are unambiguously following state law, I believe that there's a part to his statement that does sure. does mention that as well. So, cool. Well, that's uh, that's interesting, right? I mean, um, that's kind of what we were suspecting when we talked about when we talked about this the last uh, few weeks. That uh, it seemed like it was some sort of rogue action, and apparently that does exist within the DEA, huh? Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, in the uh, active on the active desk today, we have a couple of uh, of good, uh, I guess, advancements. Um, for one, in Washington D.C., you know that they passed their me- medical marijuana law quite some time ago with uh, well over 70 percent of the vote. Um, they did decide recently that they were going to finally in, uh, attempt to implement this, and uh, well, I'm happy to say that just recently they've uh, conducted some hearings in Washington, D.C. to actually begin this implementation process and figure out exactly how they're going to put this into place and make it happen. So that's finally come into fruition for all the Washington, D.C. Uh, area dwellers. I think we should open a dispensary right across the street from the White House. Awesome. Yeah, I think so, too. I think so, too. That might get, that might get Obama away from the cigarettes he's trying to get away from. Obama might drop a, drop a bomb on you, a bong rip, oh, bong rip, bomb That'd be the guy right there. Yeah. Has he been smoking cigarettes? Uh, well, you know, that's, that's the, the rumor around that, you know, he's, he really is, has this sort of a, I don't know, connection with smoking every once in a while and his wife doesn't want him to. So he tries to hide it. And, you know, I'm, I imagine there's Cigars some Cigars or cigarettes? What's- Just a cigarette now and again. I guess it's not very frequently. And he, he yeah. actually has stated that he really would like to stop doing it. But, you know, insiders have said that, you know, he, he sneaks one every now and then. But, what you know, whatever. He's the president of the United States. I think he should be able to have a freaking cigar if he wants to every once in a while. But that's sure. just my opinion. Cigar, huh? Yeah, presidents are, are pretty. Uh, they're pretty infamous for having cigars in the Oval exactly. Office. <laughs> That's what Bill Clinton should have done. He should have started a, a cigar company. I mean, like I bet he would have made more money. If, if he could have parlayed that into a bunch of money. Yeah, he could have. <laughs> he could have cured about four diseases in foreign countries with that, <laughs> including the ones he get, gets from his cigar consumption. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, one, one additional point in the news that I would like to mention that it's very important to me. This is uh, Maryland, the activity that's going on in Maryland, that is uh, recent activity that's gone on in Maryland. There's, uh, there's an amazing thing that happens in Maryland where it's, it, it's, its laws are, are somewhat broken. His med- medical, medical marijuana laws, that is, are somewhat broken where they, they have a law. This is one of those cases that we've talked about, too, where they get a law but it doesn't protect people. So really the law is flawed and it, and it doesn't do the amount of good that it, it's supposed to do. Well, uh, historically in, in Maryland, every time one of these laws or any kind of legislation of this variety, you know, for a medical marijuana has come forth in their uh, house, there, there's been a huge showing of law enforcement in opposition to, to whatever the law would be. Um, and this time, they went in to re, 
I guess you might want to say uh, tweak their, their existing law and kind of make the adjustments that were necessary to account for the discrepancy with uh, currently it was where if you, 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 have, you were a mar medical marijuana patient, if you got arrested, then you can show that you're a medical marijuana patient. Then you get away with a fine, but you still have a record. Yeah. On you. So, you know, it kind of defeats a lot of the a lot of the purpose of kind of, you know, having an excuse because you're you're a medical, a medical patient. So what they wanted to do was correct that part. And also another huge factor that I know you can relate to here is they had no uh, setup whatsoever for how patients can get their medicine. So there was no dispensary. There's no anything in, in place. So they wanted to correct these two things. Well, now the very, very interesting and amazingly positive factor here in, this re in these recent hearings was there were, as usual, many, many, many people there to testify. But believe it or not, as phenomenal as this sounds, not one person was there to testify against it. Wow. Not one? So that is unprecedented, and especially in a state such as Maryland, not one. And law enforcement officially, hearing? yes, they took that. Wow. Law enforcement took officially took no stance on this. Wow. Which, uh, wonders never cease. Let me tell you. So that's great news for Maryland. Uh, we're pushing for them. We'll keep uh, keep them on the in the sights and see what yes. what happens. Keep up with yeah. that. Someone else in my sites, we're going Hollywood, baby. I've been uh, following the L.A. Medical Marijuana Ordinance uh, deal, which is supposed to go into effect on March 14th. Mm -hmm. um, uh, effectively, what it does is uh, Los Angeles currently has uh, up to 1,000, approximately, medical marijuana dispensaries. And the law is going to shut it down to anywhere, from what I've heard in many different news sources, between 70 and 150 uh, mm. dispensaries. So effectively, they're going to be cut, shutting almost nine out of 10 doors. Uh, this is uh, set to go effect um, on March 14th. However, a lawsuit has been filed over the LA medical marijuana ordinance uh, by activists saying the rules are too onerous and that the measure violates the due process rights of dispensaries. Under the ordinance, dispensaries would be effectively banned from most residential and commercial areas, and those forced to shut down would only have seven days to find a new location. So if you are basically, if you have a business license through the county, and then they say they, they didn't grandfather anyone in based off of their location, they said, you have to shut down. We will come and they'll serve us, uh, uh, um, what's it, a season assist order. You have to shut down in seven days and you only have, then you only have seven days to um, actually find a new property or your, um, your business uh, permit is no longer valid. So that is how they are mm. going to be doing it in L.A. Now, I imagine that they're not going to be able to shut down 900 dispensaries in one day. I bet you they'll shut down a few a week or something like that. So you're just kind of on the clock, you know, waiting. And I imagine a lot of mm -hmm. these people are trying to find the new spots that do go within the ordinance. However, I bet you there's a lot of competition from all the other dispensary owners looking to get into uh, new spots as well. But currently that's what's going on in L.A. Um, that means now, that what's up? Let me let me ask you this: Is uh, w will this be under the under the criteria of based on like uh, some certain quality criteria that they have, or will they take into account the the area the 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 um, 
like the map on, on how how the the pop per populace, you know what I mean, like broken down into into different sectors. So there's like so many per whatever amount of people, or how do you know how they'll do that? I'm I'm pretty sure that all they're looking at is that it's within a certain feet, a certain um certain amount of feet from um any sort of residential um, area, and that it is also within a certain amount of feet from an additional club. So that if you even if you found a property that doesn't get too close to a residential area or school or park or church or anything like that, then you also have to be able to not be within so many feet of another club. Um, so the, the way that the rules are setting it up is, is they're setting it up to where, first of all, you tell them where your potential property is, you give them your, reg you give them your application, and then they are going to basically turn you down or turn you up off of location only is what it looks like, how they're going to work it in Los Angeles. And simply by making the rules so strict, they've made it to where it'll significantly reduce the amount of dispensaries that can open um, because of their proximity to each other and then to many other, fact many other places like schools, uh, residences, uh, churches, parks, etc. Right. That would be my understanding of the law and no, no grandfathering in. So, um, only so, currently, currently the lowest number I've heard is that there's like between 70 and 80 that will get to stay where they're at and already are within wow. those guidelines. Um, but yeah, it's, there's uh, over a thousand now, right? Over a thousand in Los Angeles. Yes. So what happens, you know, you know a little bit about what it takes to get all of this going, all this put together. It's tons of work and effort and money and, and you need a substantial amount of product to sustain uh, uh, an operation like that, you know, sure. a legitimate dispensary. What, so what, what happens whenever they decide to shut those individuals down? Well, there's big problems in Los Angeles. For instance, Los Angeles is the king of uh, consignment. They do um, a lot of consignment uh, business there, full consignment, partial consignment. Um, and uh, so what effectively what you're looking at is uh, a lot of product between these 900, 900 potential dispensaries that are going to be set to shut down it hasn't been paid to the growers. And um, if a business is shut down, you know, we'll see what happens. But I have a feeling that a lot of uh, some of the more, you know, uh, bad business people are going to not be paying back the, uh, the growers, and um, we're going to run into some serious financial issues with this, too. I don't know uh, how they're going to serve these um, uh, um, season assist orders. I don't know if they're going to come in with the cops and take everything or if they're just going to come and force them to shut down, say you have 48 hours to get out of here. If you're not out of here in 48 hours, we're coming and we're taking everything you have. Um, and I, you know, I, I, I have a feeling that, um, it's going to, the, the main effects it's going to have are the people that haven't been paid back on consignment are going to be kind of up in the air for a while. Like, okay, so what's the deal with, you know, the medicine I dropped off with you three weeks ago that you said you're going to be paying me back on today. Like, oh, well, you know, LAPD locked up all of our stuff. 
um, two weeks ago. They did give us a 48-hour warning to take the medicine and, and move it and, and close the doors, but then we just kind of, you know, put our nose in there and, 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 and didn't follow their directions, and then they came and took all our medicine. Sorry that we owe you money, but until they, you know what I mean. So, um, so business people will be stuck with the choice um, of whether or not what's more important to them, taking care of their growers who they owe money to and at least returning their product to them or finding new homes for their product, or if they want to try and uh, try and act as civil disobedience and see where it takes them. That's uh, right. where they're going to be. Um, the other trip, the, the other thing that's really going to change is with a thousand um, with a thousand different dispensaries in Los Angeles, then you've got thousands of vendors to those um, to those dispensaries. If uh, those dispensaries are being closed, you'll effectively be taking thousands of vendors out of the place. The dispensaries that get to stay open will have to s serve. 10 times more business than they've already had, right? I mean, if if those people, those patients are looking for new places, they're going to go to the places that are open and all of them that shopped at those other stores are going to have to go to one of those the stores that remains. So the amount of bulk that those those dispensaries are going to have to do is going to be huge. The lines are going to be like, you know, your line at your local Six Flags for the best roller coaster. Uh, it's going to be a serious change. A lot of people in Los Angeles who were in this business at first are happy about it because those were the golden days to them when there were only so many dispensaries. They had the vending accounts with those dispensaries. They mm -hmm. could vend as much as they want. They were stoked. Then all these other dispensaries opened up. People stopped going to just the bigger ones. The bigger ones effectively became smaller in the amount of business they did. And um, now, now it'll kind of reverse back to the way it will, and it, it will put a lot of people out of work, and it'll leave, um, it'll leave a hole uh, for a lot of vendors and a lot of growers that, cur that currently have uh, ways of uh, getting their product to market. Wow. So if they, uh, if they end up confiscating a lot of this from the, for the places they shut down, besides being obviously ridiculous and disgraceful, um, they're going to need one big stinky warehouse for sure yeah. good stink good stinky that is big one for locking all that stuff up and they're going to get sued i mean there's going to be the, the i mean this is going to be a huge class action lawsuit right i mean yeah you know um, so this looks like a, a mess a potential mess is headed this way it's a potential mess la did the opposite of what what denver did la said nope we're we're not with it um, and Denver totally supported it, um, and uh, yeah. LA is going to be causing a lot of problems. Um, it's going to be messy, especially you know, especially the wow. lawsuits that follow and everything. Yeah, so, I mean, I can imagine at that at that rate. I mean, that volume, you literally will have to have one enormous, or or maybe they just have a giant incinerator. And just you know, like like complete geniuses destroy all that useful uh, product. Complete but. geniuses, and they lose all their brain cells in the process. You know, I can't imagine that they're stupid enough to get rid of the product. They know their district. They have surely they've been ordered by the district attorney. Look, we know that this is going to be in court, and we at least want to be able to give these people's medicine back to them. So they'll if, have to hold on to it. Instead of having to pay retail value for it out of the taxpayer's yeah. pocket, which is, you know, so, um, I mean, essentially, we're just screwing ourselves with this, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. So, but, uh, mm. yeah, that's that's what's going on in L.A. Oof, um, quite a mess. Right? 
What a mess. So it looks like we got through the news for the day. I guess uh, it is now time for our Super Nugget special bonus of the day. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. So dude went and opened up fire. Um, where was he? Where was he opening up fire? This guy? What's his deal here? His name was uh, John Patrick Bedell, 36-year-old man from California. He was killed by Pentagon officers after opening up fire on March 4th. Um, this guy had some serious mental uh, and um, apparently had a val at one point was recommended the use of uh, medical marijuana in the state of California. Um, a lot of bloggers are using this as a um, story to chastise um, medical marijuana in California. What are your initial thoughts on this, Jamie? Uh, that's, you know, it, it, it rings, it, it, it reminds me of that phrase, the more things change, the more they stay the same, because it, it's, it's the oldest trick in the book. And it doesn't surprise me that, well, it kind of surprised me in this particular instance that um, they would, well, I guess let me let me rephrase this. It, it surprises me that this came this came out of this instance. But I guess from what I understand, and I'm not really a hundred percent privy to the entire facts involved with this situation, but I understand that he had cannabis on his person, or 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 he had it in his system, mm-hmm. and so they derived from that some connection. He had some connection with cannabis, and that's where they inserted the the just that's exactly how they do it too they insert the term cannabis next to something that's negative and it's negative by association is that what's going on here yeah and the fact that they know that he was um he was using that he you know had used or had at least gotten a recommendation at one point that's what's going on mm-hmm. here as well uh they're okay. saying that he had crawl um it, the, the interviews, they've been, you know, the, the people that are trying to get this, are inter- they're going after the, the pot aspect of this um, right. more than anything. It's, it's, it's kind, of, kind of crazy. It's like, you know, we don't go, like when some military, some ar- army person goes crazy and rapes a bunch of people in Iraq, we don't go on this huge trip about trying to chastise the military or anything like that right. in general. And they're, they're basically doing this to mar- medical marijuana. They're... Seeking the opinions of his doctors, seeking the opinions of his neighbors, his family, friends, etc. They have had some of his uh, family say he should not have been given clearance to use medical cannabis. Um, it was for uh, chronic insomnia is what he claimed of when he got it at some point. Uh, it begs the question that we were talking huh. about a couple of weeks ago. Does marijuana use ever exacerbate other potential um, you know, um, mental illnesses. And what they're trying to do subversely is prove that it does, that he was using something for one thing that shouldn't have been used because it was making him crazy. You know, it's definitely reefer madness type stuff. They're trying to Um, animate this, this occurrence to, to, to become it, to turn into this, this real life version of those ridiculous ONDCP commercials. Like you, you smoke some bud with your buddy and shoot him. In his, yeah. Or you yeah. run over somebody in a drive-thru or all those ridiculous commercials that, that they really got in trouble for making because they were so stupid and such a waste of money and, and 
Yeah. So now they're trying, it seems to me like they're trying the same kind of approach, but they're trying to outside of, outside of the, the TV commercial format. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, is it looks like this guy didn't even have a valid, um, I mean, here's one of the other things that they're, they're going at. They're saying, you know, medical, real medical care requires follow-up consultations. Well, in California, right. some doctors only will allow you to have your, your recommendation for six months, most for a year. So mm -hmm. they do have you come back at least once every year, and they have a, 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 a um, you know a bunch of different questions they ask you or whatnot. But um, this guy uh, got his recommendation back in uh, 2006 is uh, what it looked like. So his is um, his is no longer even a valid recommendation, and that's what sure. they're crying. They're, they're, these bloggers are crying foul that there weren't far further. Uh, follow-up um, appointments with this guy, but here's right. my here's my thing. When, since when has it been the doctor's um, prior or, or even responsibility, obligation, whatever, to have patients do follow-ups? I mean, they tell them, hey, this recommendation is only good for a year in medical pot. This is only good for a year. You need to come back at the end of the year and renew your recommendation, have another appointment, da 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 da, da. If you go to a doctor for... You know, hey, we just removed some moles. You need to schedule an appointment to come back and talk about the tests we ran on the moles or right. whatever, whatever, you know. But then but if the patient still, does not. They don't, there's no, the doctor's not going to be calling and hounding them to do it, right? I mean, right. I mean like, dog, you know. like dog the bounty hunter. You go outside and there's a doctor standing in, the, in between your houses and they're like running down alleys after you and. <laughs> it's time for your next urinalysis. Yeah, you missed your appointment twice. Stop. Don't make this harder than it has to be. Yeah, yeah, I think you make a good point. You know, one thing that strikes me fun, uh, very odd out of this situation is the, the lack of correlation between the supposed connection between, you know, bogus medical cannabis, you know, use and and the the actual intended uh Diagnoses was it because uh, if you ask me, I would think that chronic. What did you say that he had? It was wasn't it chronic cro insomnia? Okay, so he had chronic insomnia, and the, the here's the connect what? deep connection they're trying to prove here that oftentimes chronic insomnia has an underlying physical or mental condition associated with it, like depression, bipolar disorder, or even schizophrenia. So that's the connection they're trying to say. So if someone comes to a pot doctor wanting a recommendation saying, I have insomnia, then they're supposed to then say, well, we're not going to give you a recommendation immediately. You need to go and talk with a, um, you need to go and do a full, you know, urinalysis, blood check, and you need to go speak with um, a, a psychiatrist um, about your issues first so that we can then determine that you don't have any underlying mental illnesses. Sure. Sure. Okay. okay. So, so that's kind of where they're going with it with that. But they're um, they're they're basically trying to prove that like I mean anyone that has chronic um, insomnia is is crazy. My mother has chronic insomnia, and uh, she's one of the most sane people, most sane insane people I've ever known. Definitely not going to go shoot people at the Pentagon. Right. You know. So I think that it's a loose uh, a loose association that they're trying to prove here that. Um, they're trying to basically, you know, like make medical marijuana look terrible, like it's it's a, some 
they're trying to push blame towards something that they have a political agenda against, and they're using this as an opportunity to say, it's not this guy's fault. This is, Mar this is California's and their medical marijuana industry's fault. If it wasn't for them, he wouldn't have done this. You know, kind mm. of is what their argument is. And yeah. uh, it's just a very, very loose argument full of, uh, full yeah. of all sorts of, sorts of holes. Um, the guy did use marijuana excessively. Um, there's no telling. You know, here's the other issues around this. To some degree, we, we, we all have to agree that medical marijuana is also a method to somewhat legalize um, recreational consumption, right? Sure, for some. Yeah, absolutely. For some people. And so we don't know what this guy's um, motive was to have medical marijuana. Um, it may have just been to, you know, to help him not get in trouble for um, medical marijuana, um, which means even if that was the case, at some point he was kind of thinking about his well-being, and obviously he kind of lost grip with that, you know. Uh, mm. where, do, where do you draw the line? Where do you, where do you I mean, I, in America, <laughs> we have all sorts of crimes that are kind of exacerbated by a person's social situation, you know, where they grew up. You're 20 times more likely to be convicted of a felony by the age of, like, 18 if you're a black male from an urban setting or whatever, or from, you know, from many other types of things that are, you know, exacerbated basically just by your, your social consequences in life. Um, where does the individual have to take responsibility for their own actions, their own mental illnesses, their own physical illnesses? I mean, I personally, this is one where I am kind of like, well, these are the same people talking about a system, systematic failure that pr preach about self-determination and libertarianism to a degree. Where mm -hmm. is self-determination in this factor? Yeah. Um, it seems absent in their conversation. Uh, Absolutely. It's completely absent, you know? Yeah, it reeks, it reeks of scapegoat to me. It looks like uh, just another case of scapegoating cannabis, you know, I mean, I, I have to admit, anytime I hear about some just horrible individual they catch somewhere, some like, somebody like, like a pedophile, a really bad, just ugly, bad, violent pedophile that nobody likes those guys. And like, I'm thinking, oh God, please don't find a joint in his pocket, you know, cause I know that they're going to say, and Andy was yeah. using marijuana. Right. You know, I mean, I don't know how many, just countless number of, of news stories or just like blurbs or one-liners, you know, that I've, that I've read over the years that have, have had things in there like that. And I'm thinking, you know, it's just obvious most, in most cases, on most occasions rather, that uh, it, it wasn't necessary or pertinent to the story in any way or shape, you know, shape or form. They just, they had to put that in there. So that association is always in your head. It's always stirring around, and you're always, you know, I guess you're supposed to make the natural leap to the, the, the assumption that, oh, well, cannabis use must make you crazy and a, a horrible, dangerous, you know, sinister person. And it's just, it really still, I think it's playing on those age-old, deep-embedded fears that they implanted in, our, in the, the core of our nation back in the 30s, 20s and 30s. And I, you know, that that reefer madness mentality, and it works a lot. 
honestly. I mean, we know that it's all about swaying people's opinion. And, and we feel confident on our side because we have actual facts. <laughs> so you'd think it would be a lot simpler than it is. But, yeah, the, the, those types of populist kind of politics and, and tactics, they, they, they sway people. If, if only temporarily still, you know, there's, there's people that are still wavering over to not believing, you know, reality and starting to question what's going on. So, yeah, that's uh, I think that's costly for everybody when they do those types of things. It's definitely costly for our movement. Um, here's another part of it that they're trying to say is like, so chronic insomnia requires some sort of sedative, correct? Mm-hmm. So um, uh, marijuana, they're agreeing, can, they're, well, they're not completely agreeing, they're saying it can be a sedative, you know, hmm. like, I mean, I guess it's <laughs> I guess the couch lock. It can be a stimulant too, I guess. I don't know, like you know, what what their what their actual stance is here. But then they're comparing it to alcohol. But you, they're saying you could say the same thing about alcohol. Alcohol could be a sedative too. Now, I don't think that they're they're pointing at. They're actually pointing at try, a, a negative aspect of alcohol here, like saying, well, yeah, you know, you could use alcohol to go to bed too, but you wouldn't want to do that because alcohol is bad. But the difference here is alcohol is legal. Alcohol yeah. you can use. Um, but they don't, you know, I mean, we don't, we don't get this in society. Do you know how many murders happen every day, um, Mm. for people that are drunk? Oh yeah. uh, How many like domestic violence disputes occur based around alcohol? You know, it'd be, sorry, it would be, it would be interesting to actually hear from some law enforcement sometime about that. I personally, I know I have several, uh, friends that are, and a couple uh, lifetime friends that are, you know, just like family to me that uh, are on the on various police forces, and I talk to them every once in a while, and I ask them that they know what I'm about and what I do and everything and respect that. But I ask them how many, uh, and and I already know it's kind of a loaded uh, question. I mean, I already know how they're going to respond, but I, I like to hear them say it because they're active duty. Very, uh, and one of them's in a gang task force, you know. I mean, they're they're really involved in the thick of these things, and so they know. And I love to hear them tell me because every single time, without fail, it's the same response that I get, honest response. And they say, I say, how many people do you get like violence calls or or destructive destruction of property or any kind of like you know disturbing the peace uh, oriented things that that involve. Alcohol, and they're like, oh, always. They're like, oh, a lot. Probably the majority. They said, I'll tell you one thing: domestic disputes or domestic altercations. It's it's definitely the vast, vast majority of them are some in some way alcohol related. And then I like to ask them, how many of those are cannabis related? And almost without fail, they say none of them. Usually, they just kind of just scoff at me or just kind of go. You know, like that's ridiculous. You know, that's a stupid question, which it is a stupid question because we know that it doesn't cause those kinds of types of things that happen. Yeah. So it's really interesting to me that everybody knows these things. And like Norm Stamper, the former uh, chief of police for Seattle the Police Department, he was from L.A. and he went up to Seattle and then retired from there. And he's the uh, he's a, a key figurehead in the LEAP movement, the um it's the acronym LEAP, uh, Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. And I, it, it's interesting to hear him speak. I really love to hear the man speak. He's, he's a pretty uh, knowledgeable guy about what he's talking about. But he talks about this very tight-knit group of police chiefs. And when you think about it, major city police chiefs around the country, there's not a huge you know, 
whole bunch of those. So it is kind of a really tight knit group. And mm-hmm. amongst them, he discusses with his colleagues, you know, because he's got the coin, the magic coin to get in the club. You know, he's he was a, a retired police chief. And so he, he asked him about these things and they discuss these issues. And without fail, he said almost all the time they always agree with him and they know exactly what's going on. And one particular time he was talking about a conversation he had and they, they were bad. They were off stage before his buddy was going to go up and, and speak to a big group of people. And they were talking about this and he said, yeah, I totally agree with you. And of course we know that this is right. And of course we know that cannabis doesn't cause these things. And of course we know about these laws and they should be this way or this is this way and it's not supposed to be. And so, so on and so forth. And, it, and he says, granny, and he said, it's great talking to you, Norm. I'll take care. And he shook his hand and he walked out on stage immediately from this conversation and addressed this audience telling them, you know, propping up the, the drug lies and, and harmful draconian policies that we have right now and he said he's aware of it and they both they all are privy to what's going on he he said his buddy knew that that norm stamper would know that he was going to do that everybody is privy to how it's working it's just wrong that it exists that way i don't i don't understand how that duality can exist and we know it and we talk about it openly but it's still there sure. I, I, I mean i don't i guess Mostly, I don't know how it can still exist. I mean, it wouldn't be fascinating. Fascinating point, Jamie. Very fascinating. It's like you you see behind it and you see the strings, but then you still don't realize it's a puppet show. I don't get it. You know, it doesn't make sense. Sure, that's 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 uh, that's a very fascinating. That that point is well taken. There, it's it's totally true. We we definitely have. Every, I mean, really and truly, everybody knows that cannabis is not a harmful drug in that way. It does not cause people to act violently, to lose their inhibitions completely, and do things that are uh, that they wouldn't normally do. It's it's not the cause of it. If 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 they do those sort of things on cannabis, it's the the problem is what the problem is. It's not the cannabis that's causing that problem. Like alcohol does does cause people to be more violent and to lose their inhibitions. And we all know this. It's, it's, it is, that is a, a, a crazy duality that, that we definitely have to continue fighting against in, in the society. We just have to keep proving the point to people, look, marijuana is safer than alcohol. You, you know, if you from a societal standpoint, it is all around better for society to use marijuana than it is to use alcohol, period, mm. you know. Wow, where's Bob well, Marley where you need him? I know. Well, he's, he's, uh, <laughs> I can hear him singing, get up, stand up. <laughs> uh, stand up for your rights. Cool. Well, um, there was our super special bonus nugget of the day, everybody. We'd love to hear your um, comments, responses, any questions you have on this show. Please email them to blah, 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 blah. Yes. Um, we, um, as always, uh, encourage you to... Um, Talk with your friends, talk with your family, talk with your employees about your stance on marijuana. Uh, definitely, definitely, you know, take a stance. Marijuana is safer than alcohol, and marijuana is an effective medication for many people with many different types of illnesses. Um, so for our the podcast, truth. this is Pot Green. And I'm Jamie Cass. Until next time, friends, peace out. Hey, peace and bud. We'll see you. Bye. source for cannabis-related news and informed discussion. 
We podcast for an hour every Monday covering topics related to cannabis legalization, medical marijuana, and market-related information. You can follow online with us at CannabisAgenda.com.